Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show, and welcome to August. It's amazing. Today's August the 1st, 2016, and this is Miracle Monday. Uh, we will take calls towards the end of the show. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169, and press 1, and that will put you in queue to talk to us. We would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. And welcome, Michael. Michael? Well, thank you, dear heart. Thank you. I of course, have my new phone, so it's a it's got a few new bells and whistles that I need to catch up with. So, excuse me for taking a few seconds to get on. But welcome, everybody. We're honored that you're here once again. Miracle Monday. We're going to talk about Course in Miracles and the the definition of a miracle from the Course in Miracles, and then we're going to take another perspective on the forgiveness process and uh, the way that the Course in Miracles defines a miracle is that it's a shift in perception. If I can, if I think I'm looking at a world that is this way, i.e., they're really mad, they really hurt me, that's the construct of my mind, my perception, and I experience forgiveness, I'll shift out of the lie my mind is telling me that they really hurt me and that they're a certain way. And I'll shift into truth, in which case I might see that what they were really doing was reaching out to offer me all the support in the world, and I had a misperception. One of the things you can count on with forgiveness is that whenever there's hostility or fear in your mind, you will gain a shift in perception by using it. If you actually engage in the process of forgiveness, your life the game of your life is going to change very dramatically. Now, that said, I want to look at a lesson today entitled, it's lesson number 134, Let Me Perceive Forgiveness As It Is. And this lesson kind of gives us a little bit of a different perspective on the forgiveness process. And in essence, what it tells us is that forgiveness is meaningless. It's silly. And it is. Now, someone might say, wait a minute, Michael, I've been listening to this show for almost six years, and you've dedicated your life to teaching forgiveness. Why would you dedicate your life to teaching something that is meaningless? Well, it takes a little bit of understanding to get to this one. 
Remember the lesson, what is the world? If not, we suggest that you, uh, we do have a mini copy. The actual two-hour DVD is not out and available yet. But we do have a 39-minute video. If you go to www.whyagain.org, and if you look over on the right-hand side of the page, you'll see all the social media links. And at the bottom, there's a red and white little square with an, an arrow in it. If you click on that, it will take you to our YouTube channel. If you look down the list, you'll see a, an icon, a picture, with a picture of the world on it, you know, the blue planet from space. There are actually several that have that picture, but then the next thing you want to look for is ACIM, what is the world? And that will help to clear up perhaps some confusion around the ideas that I'm going to present today. So if you go to that link, you can watch that 39-minute video free, and it will just build some brain cells. If you haven't watched it yet, it's actually an awesome little piece of, uh, of information, probably one of the best presentations I've done on that topic yet. So it puts together the, uh, the lesson from the course, which we talked about earlier in the show, uh, what is the world, and the idea that there's a world of perception between our ears, and then there's what really happened. There's the actual world. And so if you're dealing in the actual world, in the one that the creator created, forgiveness is foolish. Forgiveness is unnecessary. Forgiveness is actually another error. And when you recognize that, then if you look at the fact that you're living in a world of perception, the world between your ears, then forgiveness becomes the absolute most important tool you could possibly have because what forgiveness will do is it will collapse the underlying constructs of your mind that are based in falsity. Once you arrive at the world that the creator created as it actually is, there will be no need for forgiveness. You can just throw it away. It will be a waste of time because you're not going to need it in the least. And let, Let's see if we can come up with an analogy for what that means. Let's imagine that we have a child and we raise them up with the idea of Santa Claus. And, you know, Santa Claus gets the milk and the cookies and leaves the presents and the crumbs are from Santa Claus. And so teach a child, pardon me, <coughs> that falsity, all of a sudden, a whole stream of events and miniature lies issues from it. For instance, you know, maybe you were out late with the kids and, and you got home Christmas Eve and, geez, I had to stay up an hour until I knew the kids were asleep so I could do Santa Claus. So there's a whole thing you have to do there. And then, you know, you have to make sure you leave a few cookie crumbs and a little bit of spilt milk and, oh, Santa Claus must have spilt the milk. And, and then, you know, you're down the street with the neighbors and the neighbor's kids already know that that's a fantasy that was created. And you say, but... But it helps them understand goodness in the world. It's like, yep, that's another story. There's just a whole series of stories that are meant to mimic what's true but aren't the truth. We, we have a lot of stories in our lives, in our world, that are totally, completely false. They're fantasies. Some of them are useful, but they're fantasies all the same. You know, when I say to you this, this show is that noon central time it's at one o'clock eastern time and it's at 10 o'clock uh, west coast time you say well how can it be noon one and ten all at the same time because 
Time is a fantasy that we created, a useful one, but a fantasy all the same. And all sorts of beliefs and actions and realities issue from every fantasy that we create. Well, if you hold a newborn child, you know exactly what human life is. And we all came in as that, the absolute pure presence of love. And then the world started to put its thumbprints, its fantasies on us. And its fantasies impregnated us with the capacity to produce a whole world that is not true or accurate. And if we're living in that whole world that is not true or accurate, then forgiveness is the most important tool that I could possibly have because it is the tool for miracles. It is a tool for collapsing perceptual fantasies and getting that shift in perception that the Course recognizes is a miracle. So it's building brain cells for understanding both sides of this coin that empowers the ability to base perception on fact and actuality and collapse perception based in fantasy if we understand what this particular lesson is talking about. So the title of the lesson, again, it's lesson 134, is Let Me Perceive Forgiveness As It Is. And the lesson starts out and says, Let us review the meaning of forgive, for it is apt to be distorted and to be perceived as something that entails an unfair sacrifice of righteous wrath, a gift unjustified and undeserved, and a complete denial of the truth. So let's say that someone in their perceptual reality has been wronged by another, and then we suggest that this person forgive. This person might say, but, you know, they deserve my wrath. I I mean, why would I give that up? That's an unfair sacrifice, and my wrath is righteous. Well, my offering is there is absolutely no such thing as righteous wrath. If you engage in wrath, you will destroy yourself. But, Michael, did you see what that person did and how terrible it was? You know what? I saw it, and it was disgusting. It was terrible what they did. Well, then, Michael, don't they deserve my wrath? Well, maybe in the context of what your perception says they did and what that means to you, they might deserve your wrath. But the real question is, do you deserve it? Because you're the one who's going to get the original of that energy. They're just going to get a carbon copy. And if they have no resonance with it, they may not be home for delivery. So if one thinks that, you know, my anger is what protects me and serves me and gets me to do things, then it's going to seem like forgiveness would be an unfair sacrifice. And then it says a gift, unjustified and undeserved. Well, after what that person did, why should I forgive them? Well, I would offer to you, please, never, ever, ever in a million years forgive them or anybody else for that matter. Or yourself, for that matter. Never forgive anyone. That's a major mistake. 
Well, well, what do you mean, Michael? I thought you said I was supposed to forgive. Yeah, that's what I said. You're supposed to forgive. Well, then, what do you mean I, sh- I, I shouldn't forgive them? Well, because forgiveness has nothing to do with them. If your perceptual world is serving you with something painful, forgiveness is the tool with which to reach inside yourself and remove that fantasy at its root to become free of it. It's got nothing to do with letting them off the hook. You say, but, you know, I give this gift to them and it's unjustified and they don't deserve it. Well, you know, if they're enough pain to do something crazy and off the wall, maybe it is your gift of the active presence of love because you've forgiven your wrath that will bring them back to sanity. And who doesn't deserve that? I'd say everyone does. And then others would say, but Michael, Michael, it really happened. You're telling me I should just deny the truth. No, we're not suggesting you deny the truth. We're suggesting that you collapse the pained perception in your mind. That's the act of forgiveness. So in the view where it's the sacrificing of righteous wrath, a gift unjustified, and denial of the truth, forgiveness must be seen as mere eccentric folly. And this course appears to rest the whole idea of being removed from it on a whim, or what the world is called salvation. This twisted view of what forgiveness means is easily corrected when you can accept the fact that pardon is not asked for what is true. So if your perception is accurate and true about the created world, forgiveness will be a useless tool to you. How will you be able to tell if your perception is accurate and true about the actual world that the creator created? Your physiology will be flooded with bliss. You will live in the presence of love. There, no forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness is limited to what is false. It is irrelevant to anything except illusion. So now illusion, remember in the Aramaic language, the word illusion in its root doesn't mean something that doesn't exist. The word illusion means measured. So you remember in the ancient scripture, they said, as you measure, it will be measured unto you. So if I measure a little bit of rage into my perceptual system, then someone comes along and triggers those brain cells, my perceptual system is going to measure back to me a little bit of rage. And my illusion will be based on rage. Forgiveness is never applied to the truth. It is only applied to illusions. Those things which have been measured into you now, Where do these measurings come from? Where do these antecedent conditions come from? Well, we have a whole life history where we've been building brain cells for a certain way of understanding and seeing the world. We have a genetic history that goes back through thousands of generations. And so those energetic patterns of perception that came to us at our conception genetically is part of what's been measured into our structure and part of what is measured back to us. 
Now, many people say, well, but why do I deserve that? Well, first of all, you don't deserve anything except the pure presence of love. And I have this sneaking suspicion that we might just be our own ancestors, and we're probably going to be our own descendants. And so what's been measured into the family system, we measured there. And so there is no need to forgive truth. It's those things that have been measured based in hostility or fear, based in something other than the truth about who we are. So the lesson goes on to say truth is the creator's creation, and to pardon that is meaningless. All truth belongs to the creator, reflects the creator's laws, and radiates love. Does this need pardoning? How can you forgive the sinless and the eternally benign? Remember that the word sin in Aramaic is an archery term that means off of the mark. And so if I engage in an energy that's off the mark, then that energy, wherever it's stored in my structure and in my genes, will be passed from generation to generation. So if I hold none of that in my structure, then what needs to be forgiven? Absolutely nothing. Celeste goes on to say, the major difficulty that you find in genuine forgiveness on your part is that you still believe you must forgive the truth and not illusions. So if you're, you know, to, get, to use our analogy from earlier, if up comes something about Santa Claus, forgiveness is going to be necessary because you created a whole system of thought and a whole system of experience out of something that wasn't accurate. But if December 25th rolls around and you choose to experience the presence of the act of love of the creator in which you live, move, and have your being and celebrate it on that day, then you will speak of that birth of the mind that was in Christ. And the word Christ, remember, in Aramaic means an open channel to the creator, to love. It isn't the name of a man. So there's no need to forgive the truth. So I talk about Christmas as this experience of the presence of love. And I tell the child the real story about how human life as the presence of love is abundant and generous and gives. I don't have to make up a story about a jolly white man in a red suit that uh, you know, slides down chimneys, chimneys to give gifts. I can speak directly to the truth of how the world works for true human beings. And so there's no need to apply forgiveness to the truth, just to illusions. So it goes on to say, you conceive of pardon as a vain attempt to look past what is there. So the, the, the hard and fast construct of the mind is, they really did it, Michael. And you're asking me to look around it and say, their love, that's just not true. So trying to look past what is there and asking you to overlook the truth. But they really did offend me. So your work in forgiveness in that event, in that situation, is nothing to do with forgiving them, but is to remove the offense within yourself that this person has triggered. 
And what forgiveness does is it collapses the perceptual output of the mind. And as you do that, then what happens, rather than overlooking truth, you are flooded with the experience of truth. I talked to someone this morning who was sharing a, uh, an experience that he had. He, he just made a commitment. He'd, he'd made a commitment to do a year of a minimum of one worksheet a day on his body image, and he was sharing with me that he'd lost 120 pounds and that he just started doing a year commitment on doing worksheets around money. And all of a sudden, he, had, he, he was sharing with me, and I'm hoping he's going to call in. I invite him to, to I don't know if, uh, if 828's on there, Jeannie. Maybe we could invite Terry to join us. But there's, there's not an attempt to look past what's there, but when you engage in forgiveness, what happens is you collapse the constructs of your mind. Literally, the energetic patterns within you upon which your whole perceptual world is based begins to fall apart and it is reliably replaced with the truth. So there's no need to overlook the truth in an unfounded effort, as this lesson says, to deceive yourself by making an illusion true. So you're not trying to pretend, oh, they are lily white and, you know, they never did anything in error or they're lily white and they never brought anything painful up in me, but rather I apply forgiveness to the construct of my mind until I am lily white, until there is no illusion, nothing measured based in hostility and fear that this person resonates in me. And then I will see the truth of that person. And the truth is, you know, with all the garbage that people carry around, with all the unnecessary suffering and pain in the world, the truth is we all came in exactly the same way. So you don't have to deceive yourself. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to try to force your perceptual system to make up nicey nice things about someone else. When you collapse the construct in yourself, that presents you with some form of hostility or fear, then all of the illusions simply collapse. They disappear. But if you think of giving up the valuable uh, for the valueless, then this twisted viewpoint reflects the hold that the idea of sin retains on your mind as you regard yourself. So, So what the Course is saying here is that If you hold this view that you're trying to look around something that happened, you're trying to pretend it didn't happen, you're trying to pretend this person is somebody that you're sure they are not, because after all, you see their body and you saw what their body did. Of course, when you start applying the fact that there's no such thing as a body, that what we have is an energy system, then you start realizing that the whole world of bodies that you've created is a set of pictures in your mind based on what's moving in you and whatever moves in you in regard to a particular body, you will hallucinate or construct a body that does those things. And you'll be sure that it's they who are doing it to you. But as you actually engage in forgiveness, you collapse the root of those energetic patterns in yourself. And you may go back a hundred generations as you do that to get free of that particular uh, viewpoint. And as it dissolves... And you start to see the truth 
rather than error. If you remember, again, the word sin is an archery term. means off the mark. And when you start to see that your perceptual error has nothing to do with them, and in truth has nothing to do with you except it happens to be in your mind, then you let go of the hold that it has on your mind. And the lesson goes on to explain for the person who's stuck in the perceptual world of some form of hostility or fear, because you think your sins are real, that is the energies that are off the mark are the end all and the be all, you look on pardon as deception. So when you say to somebody after doing something that perhaps brings up pain for them, you give them a story, then your story asks them to let go of what you think you did and pretend that it's not true, to deceive, where always forgiveness is applied to the perceiving mind to remove the root of the deceptive perception. It is impossible to think of sin or that energy, that, those energies that are off the mark Excuse me for a second. My page just skipped. So it's impossible to think of those energies that are off the mark as true and not believe that forgiveness is a lie. You know, the two can't fit together. But they really did do that. That that they really did hurt me. And so when I say I forgive them, I'm going to let them off the hook. It becomes a fraud because they really did do it to me. But as long as my mind is stuck in that construct, until I can collapse it, it's going to appear to be a fraud. So in the context of the lying mind, forgiveness itself, the Course says, is really but a sin, like all the rest. It says the truth is false and smiles on the corrupt as if they were blameless as the grass and white as snow. It is delusional in what it thinks it can accomplish. It would see as right the plainly wrong and the loathsome as good. So let's apply this in the context of our Santa Claus story. So I, I made up this whole story and now I'm telling the truth about it but I'm trying to hold on to the story at the same time. So I'm trying to protect my child and keep them believing in Santa Claus, all the while recognizing that I made up something false. And so I'm trying to say that the truth is false because I've, I've, just, I've based so many things in so many directions on this misperception. And that leads to delusion. Pardon is no escape in such a view. It merely is a further sign that sin is unforgivable, at best to be concealed, denied, or called another name, for pardon is treachery to truth. So again, if I believe in the lie, it's, it's silly. Forgiveness just is ridiculous. And then it goes on to say, guilt cannot be forgiven. If you are off the mark, if you sin, your guilt is everlasting. 
So once that air energy is in you, everything you see that in any way relates to it is going to be based in error. And so it seems like a self-perpetuating eternal thing until you go in with forgiveness and literally root out the whole perceptual construct. You know, if your mind can find reasons to frown at, snarl at, use vicious language towards your partner, then you have a perceptual construct that's based in a lie. And when that lie is active, it's impossible to see that love brought forward consciously would heal. And so first, what has to happen is forgiveness collapses the lie. Once the lie is collapsed, then forgiveness is no longer necessary or even useful. There would be no place for it. So those who are forgiven from the view their sins are real are pitifully mocked and twice condemned. So from the perspective of error being removed when it has not yet been removed, so it's speaking here about looking at forgiveness as letting someone off the hook, then you know, how do you, it just becomes a convoluted circle. So twice condemned, first by themselves for what they think they did, and once again by those who pardon them. So remember that when we're talking about forgiveness, we're not talking about letting someone else off the hook. If you choose to pardon another for something that they did, That's one thing. And it can be an appropriate thing to do. But if I never take the next step of applying forgiveness and going inside myself and removing the root of the construct that relates to what they did, then I will seem to be stuck. So, The lesson goes on to say it is sin's unreality that makes forgiveness natural and wholly sane. So when you realize, you know, any construct that you have, you know, if you've raised a child with Santa Claus, you know how many different conversations and, and, you know, how long the whole story and the whole game went on. When you recognize that all of that is not real, then forgiveness, removal of that energy, and of course the comparison is all the stories we've been told. I mean, you know, let's take a look. Over the last 75 years on planet Earth, we have murdered as humans in excess of 175 million people, according to Columbia University. How could forgiveness ever change that? Forgiveness is not sane in that context. But when I recognize that everything that's been done out of that story is a falsity, 
and I can remove the falsity from my mind, then forgiveness becomes natural and wholly sane. A deep relief to those who offer it. Why is it a deep relief? Because if I hold something based in, in, in my genes, I mean, stop and think. Let's just take that one fact. 175 million people over the last 75 years on planet Earth. That's impacted the genetic structure of every one of us, whether we like it or not. That's in our genes. And so what a relief to recognize that all the behaviors done based in that, all the false behaviors, you know, imagine we've got a two-year-old child and the two-year-old child's in a back alley in New York City, and, and we see this child, you know, huddling under a dumpster, and we go to, to help it, and the child's been hurt and injured and attacked, and, you know, it's almost not surviving. We reach under the dumpster to take a hold of it, and the child bites and scratches and kicks. Would there be a moment where we would make that real and turn and beat on the child for biting and kicking and scratching us? Or we say, based on their experience and their limited perception of the world, what else could they do but bite? Now, can I look past my injuries from that bite and embrace this child in wholeness Embrace this child in the presence of love to the depth and to the degree that they are relieved of all of their pain, that they are freed from their pain. Every person who held a rifle, pointed a bomb, fired a missile at another, was exactly the two-year-old under the dumpster in the alleyway in New York City. And to apply forgiveness on a deep enough level that we ourselves are freed of the impact of all the generations of pain and trauma that have happened in our world is to open a space for someone to be big enough to embrace the deepest most disturbing, most disgusting offenses one could do. And in the ability to hold to the active presence of love and embrace those who would be lost there, which I don't care if this is, you know, the toughest 50-year-old military, you know, going to get you kind of guy or not. Why did he rage? Why did he kill? Why did that all of that happen? Can I get big enough to hold that all in the active presence of love? And if any of that brings something less than love up in me, can I apply forgiveness to free myself of that so I am still a bigger space to embrace the insanity and the trauma of the world? And people say, yes, but there are certain things you would never forgive. Well, you're right. I would never forgive anybody for anything. But if those certain things happened and it brought that which is less than love in me forward, 
then I would apply forgiveness to that to free myself of that so that I could be that space of love for whatever it is that's going on. So forgiveness does not countenance illusions, but collects them lightly with a little laugh and gently lays them at the feet of truth. And there, they disappear entirely. Now, in the last 50 years or so of doing this work, going on, it's almost 50 now. I started when I was four. Probably 25 or so years ago, I started looking back over the previous years and wanting to understand what is it that makes the the kind of transformation occur that is beyond all comprehension. What What is it that causes that to happen? And what became clear to me was that in that space over the years, when I looked back at people who had made such shifts that they were beyond comprehension. Changes where financial circumstances that were irreversible, literally instantly reversed, where relationship traumas just dissolved, traumas that could never be healed dissolved, where cancers disappeared. What happened? And what became clear to me in looking over the years of working with people was that two things occurred. Something that was less than love came to the surface and something that was less than love came into the field of conscious, active, present love. And as it did then everything dissolved, literally. You know, the Course talks about bring the world you do not want to the one you do. So your whole Santa Claus story, everything in your life that's based in any form of illusion, anything that's not true, anything other than the active presence of love is the only thing that's real. And, and you'll notice when you confront something like that, There's a place in your body where things tighten. There's a place where you want to hold your breath and a place where you want to lock onto the energy. And this is where you want to allow the energy to soften and simply let loose. And as you let loose, then the presence of love floods every cell in the structure. It is the only sane thing to do if you want to be freed of those dis-ease energies that perhaps have gone on in your bloodline for a thousand generations. So you take the illusion and, and everything that's based in any form of hostility or fear is illusion. And, you know, some of these illusions really look, look real. They're really tricky. What the Course here says is, here's what being does. Being awakened, hold the newborn child. You've got a state of being. Being awakened collects these illusions lightly and with a laugh gently lays them at the feet of truth. 
and here they dissolve. Here they disappear entirely. Forgiveness is the only thing that stands for truth in the illusions of the world. So in our context of the Santa Claus story, the person who holds the truth in the space that human life is abundant, is generous, naturally knows the principle behind the Santa Claus story and needs no crutch to lean on to experience and express it. For that mind connected to that space stands for truth and will not believe the screams, the rages, the cries of a thousand generations of abusers and abused. If your mind can still construct for you a hostile or fearful perception, it is because there are voices in your genetic history that still hold that hostility or fear. So forgiveness is a thing that stands like a rock for truth in the face of those illusions. Its use will be complete when the illusions have been dissolved and there will be no need of it any longer. So forgiveness sees the nothingness of the hostility and fear-based world, looks through the thousand forms in which they may appear. So the mind can change stories, realities as quickly, you know, as a football player can change socks or maybe needs to change socks. So the mind can just create story after story after story after story, and it's always interesting to watch someone who's in resistance and does not want to be freed of their illusions because they think somehow that those illusions serve them, that those illusions protect them. And you watch them when you make one story illogical, they will drop that story like a hot potato. They will totally lose awareness that they ever told that story and they'll have a different story. Yeah, well, I was mad because of this. Well, when I proved to you that that isn't true, the person who's committed to their madness, to their anger says, well, yeah, but what I really meant was this. And when I prove that one's not true, you'll say, yes, well, but you don't really understand. Here, let me explain what that's really about. It's about this. And it goes from story to story to story to story. So forgiveness holds such a powerful space of being that whatever the form of the hostility or fear is, they simply dissolve in the face of that presence of love. So I can hear somebody's story, you know, when we start intensive, we're just getting ready to start intensives this week. And one of the things I'll say to people is, you know, we're going to ask you to, if your story comes up, to let go of your story. I'm really not interested in your story. You know, we got a whole room full of people here. If uh, we started telling stories, we could all tell our stories. And, you know, when the nine-day intensive is over, we'd have gotten nowhere. So I'm not interested in your story. If there's something germane that you really need to share with me, great, then please do. But all the he's and theirs and where's and what's for's and why how's and do to do to do and on it goes are irrelevant. So 
I can hear the story, but I don't believe the story. You say, but, but, but Michael, it really happens. Like, I got it. I realize that your perceptual world served that up, and that's how it happened. And what I'm here to do is to hold that space of active present love until all of the energetic contributors within yourself for that story dissolve, and there's no longer any need to take it, to be victim of it. So forgiveness can look on the, the illusion, the lie. It can talk about it, but it's not deceived by it. It's a great line in one other lesson in the course that says, be not deceived. For these stories come from the world of darkness. The words that darkness rules represent a world of illusion. You can hear about the illusion. You can repeat the words of the illusion, but you hold a space of conscious, active, present love. And when that happens, that world of illusion accelerates its breakdown. One of the skills that we're inviting people to develop is to develop the ability to go into literally every nook and cranny of your mind, your emotions, and your genes bring with you the active presence of love and dissolve everything that is less than love. So forgiveness does not heed the self-accusing shrieks of sinners mad with guilt. So somebody's got their whole, and, you know, somebody says, well, Michael, don't you have any compassion? It's like, yeah, I got a lot of compassion for this person who seems to really believe that here they are, they should suffer and be in trauma about this. And my offering is, how about just, just try a little shift. How about you recognize you got that whole story, that whole thing that you say happened, but how about if you bring a mind of love to it while you tell me the story? When the mind of love truly appears, that story will be irrelevant to the person telling it. And that's the challenge. So forgiveness looks on those mad with guilt with quiet eyes and merely says to them, my brother, what you think is not the truth. And breathe. What you think is not the truth. So the strength of pardoning is honesty. When I can let you off the hook, so I've pardoned you, then I can move into telling the truth. You know, yesterday I thought it was because you did this that I was so mad, but the truth is, now that I've let you off the hook and I've gone in and done forgiveness work inside myself, I realize that I did this to myself, that this was my perceptual pain, that this was something that I held within me. And so I can tell the truth about it. And at that point, that mind is so uncorrupted that it sees its illusions as illusions, not as truth. So I can say, wow, I was there, it happened, and I realized that what happened was not the truth. 
And that happens because I brought a mind of conscious, active, present love to the party rather than I brought a non-being self that believed that somebody else was the problem in their lives. So forgiveness is not deceived. And it's because of this that it becomes the undeceiver in the face of lies, the great restorer of the simple truth. By its ability to overlook what is not there, it opens the way to truth, which has been blocked by dreams of guilt. So when you have a person that's lost, oh, what I did was so terrible that I caused so much pain and so much grief. That belief comes from the fact that I think everybody else caused my pain and my grief. And as long as I continue to do that, I will see myself inflicting pain and grief on others and I'll think I'm the cause of their pain and grief. Now that I'm able to overlook what I held in me that was not true, that was based in corruption, I can bring the mind of love and truth to this situation. And now the dreams of guilt dissolve. They just fade away. Now are you free to follow the way to your true forgiveness? And that forgiveness opens up to you. That space of the active presence of love opens parts of the mind that hold constructs of terror and trauma and insanity, perhaps a thousand generations old in your bloodline. And as it begins to dissolve, you're freed. And once you offer that to someone else, by offering it just just in exactly the same way, if you offer hostility to someone, then that someone receives a carbon copy while you get the original. And if I offer the truth of my being to someone, really, truly bring forward the active presence of love in the presence of their trauma, then I open that gift to myself. So Lesson goes on to say there's a very simple way to find the door to true forgiveness and perceive it wide open and welcome. When you feel that you're tempted to accuse someone of sin in any form, do not allow your mind to dwell on what you think he did, for that is self-deception. Remember that a world of bodies is a construct of the mind. There is no such thing as a body. We have an energetic Form, for want of better terms, we don't have words to accurately represent it. So when I live in a world of bodies, then I am deceived because what this energy field that I call this other person has triggered in me, I literally construct a body based in that, and I want to blame them for what's moving inside of me. So a simple tool can be to ask yourself whatever it is that I'm accusing this other of, would I accuse myself of doing this? When you ask yourself that question, then you will see alternatives for choice 
in terms that render choosing meaningful and keep your mind as free of guilt and pain as God himself intended it to be and as it is in truth. So the truth is you've never been touched in, in your true being by anything that's happened in your Santa Claus story. You've never been injured by those things. And as you begin to offer that active presence of love, that active presence of love taken to the deepest story. And, and you know, sometimes you know, when they ask Yeshua, how many times do we have to forgive? Is seven enough? In Aramaic, he said 77 times 70. It's like, well, why? Why didn't I just do that once and I was done with it? Because I have such a deep genetic construct in my mind that it's hard for me to crack the shell of it and break through it. So each time I forgive, I shave a little bit more of the energetic impact of that dynamic. I shave a little bit more. I shave a little bit more until, you know, this person that I say I deeply cherish does something and my mind wants to puke on them. And because I've forgiven, 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 all of a sudden up comes the puke and I just drop it. And I remember who I am. And I remember who this person is that stands before me has that awesome presence of love. And I'm able to give up on the next level all of my projections. And by doing so, you keep your mind free of guilt and pain and you start to enter the realm where the creator created you to live, free of all of that unable to even generate it if you wanted to. The truth of who we are as love, as human beings, has never been touched by the lie. It is only lies that would condemn. In truth, is innocence the only thing there is. Forgiveness stands between illusions and the truth, between the world you see and that which lies beyond, between the hell of guilt and heaven's gate. Across this bridge, as powerful as love which laid a blessing on it, are all dreams of evil and of hatred and attack brought silently to truth. They are not kept to swell and bluster, to terrify the foolish dreamer who believes in them, He's been gently awakened from his dream by understanding what he thought he saw was never there. And now he cannot feel that all escape has been denied for him. So all of a sudden, the natural thing to do is to just stand as that presence of love. There's no need to fight to save yourself. He does not have to kill the dragons which he thought pursued him. All of those were constructs of his mind brought to the party. There's no need to erect the heavy walls of stone and iron doors that he thought would make him safe. He can remove the ponderous and useless armor made to chain his mind to fear and misery. His step is light 
and as he lifts his foot to stride ahead, a star is left behind to point the way to those who follow. Forgiveness must be practiced, for the world cannot perceive its meaning, nor provide a guide to teach you its beneficence. There is no thought in all the world that leads to any understanding of the laws it follows. In other words, in the Santa Claus story, there are no words to tell the truth about the actuality of the thing. So in, in the world, I mean, we, we speak around this idea of forgiveness, but in all the constructs of the false world that has taken over, the world based on hostility or fear, there aren't any words to describe how forgiveness works. It's just so amazingly powerful that all you have to do is engage in it. No need to believe it, just engage in it and watch how things collapse. So there's no thought in all the world that leads to any understanding of the laws it follows, nor the thought that reflects. It is as alien to the world as is your own reality, and yet it joins your mind with the reality in you. Today we practice true forgiveness, that the time of joining be more, more, no more delayed, for we would meet with our reality in freedom and peace. Our practicing becomes the footsteps lighting up the way for all brothers who would follow us to the reality we share with them. That this may be accomplished, let us give a quarter of an hour twice a day and spend it with a guide who understands the meaning of forgiveness and was sent to teach us. Let us ask. Let me perceive forgiveness as it is. Then, choose one brother as he will direct and run through, catalog his sins, those things that are off the mark that you think he's done, as one by one they cross your mind. Be certain not to dwell on any one of them, but realize that you're using his offenses, but to save the world from all ideas of error. Briefly consider all the evil things you thought of him, and each time ask yourself, would I condemn myself for doing this? Let him be freed from all the thoughts you had of sin in him. And what happens is, in that moment, your construct of him dissolves. And now you're prepared for freedom. You're prepared to be liberated by the act of forgiveness. If you've been practicing thus far in willingness and honesty, you begin to sense a lifting up, a lightening of the weight across your chest, a deep and certain feeling of relief. Time remaining should be given to experiencing the escape from all the heavy change, chains you sought to lay on your brother or were laid upon yourself. Forgiveness should be practiced throughout the day and there will be many times when you forget its meaning and attack yourself. When this occurs, allow your mind to see through this illusion as you tell yourself, let me perceive forgiveness as it is. When I accuse myself of doing this, I will not lay this chain upon myself. No one is crucified alone, and yet no one can enter heaven by himself. 